What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Dylan LeClaire is the Senior Market Analyst at UTXO Management, a digital asset fund investing in the analog to digital transformation of money and the emergent financial system. In this conversation, we discuss Bitcoin, on-chain metrics, market structure, and what to expect from the rest of the Bitcoin bull market. I really enjoyed this conversation with Dylan, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Mode. Listen up. If you're a UK Bitcoin investor, this is for you. This is a brand new sponsor, so I want you guys to pay attention. This episode is brought to you by UK fintech app Mode. Mode is an app that allows you to buy, earn, and grow Bitcoin effortlessly. Not only is it an easy and safe way to buy and hold Bitcoin, Mode also allows you to pay and receive up to 10% Bitcoin cashback for free from its growing list of online partner brands. That's right. They've got cashback for free from a growing list of online partner brands. For a limited period of time, Mode is offering 0% trading fees on all Bitcoin buys and sells. That's right. You can buy and sell Bitcoin and pay no trading fees. The offer ends at the end of the year, December 31st, 2021. So hurry up and download the app now. I have to say, I think the company behind the app's pretty impressive. Somebody who's willing to give 10% Bitcoin cash back and also zero trading fees through the end of the year. You should probably check it out. They are FCA registered and are listed on the LSE. They chose to hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet. They're piloting a Bitcoin payroll product to pay UK employees in Bitcoin as well. UK friends, I'm telling you, if they're going all in on Bitcoin, you should be paying attention. I recommend you go check out Mode right now. Their app is available on the App Store and Google Play. You can download the app now and start buying Bitcoin with 0% trading fees today. Mode, M-O-D-E. Go check it out. The offer ends December 31st, 2021. Go let me know what you think in the UK. Next up is CoinCloud. Did you know you can buy and sell crypto with cash? I want to introduce you to my friends at CoinCloud. More than just a Bitcoin ATM company, they're the world's leading digital currency machine operator. They've been around since 2014 and have thousands of machines across the country. You can buy and sell Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Cardano, and over 30 other digital assets. No connecting bank accounts, no long waits. And if you got questions, you can speak to a live US-based customer support rep 24-7. I've had a lot of Bitcoin ATM companies reach out, but CoinCloud is the only team I've found that's doing it right. They put together a special offer for listeners of this show. You can get $50 in free Bitcoin when you buy $200 or more at any CoinCloud machine and use promo code POMP. Again, $50 free Bitcoin, buy $200 or more at any machine, use promo code POMP. You can find your local ATM at coin.cloud slash POMP. Coin.cloud slash POMP and use promo code POMP to get that free $50 worth of Bitcoin when you purchase $200 or more at the machine. Last but not least is OKCoin. If you haven't started building your crypto portfolio on OKCoin, there's no better time. They're one of the fastest growing global exchanges around, and they have some promotions happening right now to help even more people be part of the future of finance. If you have an amount already, excuse me, an account, 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 not an amount. If you have an account already, you can split $100 in Bitcoin with a friend when you invite them to sign up for OKCoin if they buy $100 of crypto in the first month. The more friends who sign up and buy, the more Bitcoin you get. And I always recommend dollar cost averaging as a way for investors to have more control over their average price when building their portfolio. Dollar cost averaging, superpower. Now you can automate dollar cost averaging with completely fee-free daily, weekly, or monthly recurring buys on OKCoin. That's no fees at all on purchases until the holidays. Get started on the web or on their new super easy to use app, okcoin.com slash pomp. okcoin.com slash pomp. Go check it out. All right, let's get into this episode with Dylan. Hope you guys enjoy this one. 
Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Dylan, what's going on, man? How are you? Yeah, what's up, guys? I think I joined just at the right time. Uh, inflation <laughs> gaslighting is, is unbelievable. It's pretty crazy, right? I mean, like they, we we literally are watching people explain that uh, in order to deal with inflation for Thanksgiving, you shouldn't buy a turkey, or that it's somehow your fault, or that inflation is good. I mean, it, it's insane. What do you what do you think about all this? Yeah, it's just it's just gaslighting. It's it's every other every other reason for inflation other than they just printed you know thirty percent of the money supply. Um, and all the credentialed economists and academics were wrong and all the anons and, and, you know, cartoon characters on the internet were right. And it's like, maybe that, maybe that's, you know, saying something. The, the other piece of this that, uh, I, I read the other day that absolutely blew me away was I forget who tweeted, it, but somebody was like, uh, no one saw inflation coming. Like it surprised all the economists. And there was a whole article about it. And I saw a bunch of people dunking on it, obviously. And they were like, what are you talking about? Like literally the memes were uh, the Fed chairman, like literally printing money with music behind it while they were doing it. Like the entire internet knew this was coming. Uh, it, it just somehow in these academic or, or kind of theoretical circles, uh, people thought that it wasn't going to happen, I guess. I, I don't really know. Yeah. And it's a global thing too. I mean, like we're seeing, you know, the lira is crashing. I don't know if you were talking about earlier, the lira is crashing 12, 15% daily, right? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. When you look at the uh, Turkish lira, walk me through how you think about Bitcoin in relationship to that. Obviously, Bitcoin continues to hit all-time high over all-time high with the Turkish lira uh, as like the denominating currency. Does that play into anything around Bitcoin adoption or, or kind of price movements? Um, or do you think of it as, no, that's just kind of the outlier situation, and it's really because the fiat currency is devaluing, uh, and you stick to U.S. dollar denomination uh, to your analysis? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's huge. I mean, obviously, uh, Bitcoin is a global asset, and um, you know, some people may not have have access to to Bitcoin or like the technology that that you know we have in the in the U.S. But um, you know, a simple smartphone is 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 accessible for you know billions of people around the world. And traditionally, like you know, I think the old I saw a tweet today: the older generations kind of favor gold, um, and and you know, that's that's holding up better than the lira. Um, but you know, increasingly, the younger generations want Bitcoin, and and it makes sense. And you know, the USD volatility, like, oh, Bitcoin was at 69,000 and now it's 57. Um, but when you're, when your currency is crashing 50% a year, you don't really care. I mean, it's, it's a lifeboat for you and, and your family and your savings. So, um, you know, the lira and I think every other, basically every other currency besides uh, the dollar and, and some of the main currencies like Michael, Michael Saylor talks about um, are all going to continue to collapse against the dollar and the dollar will continue to collapse against real, you know, hard assets. Um, and I think that's going to be, you know, a continued trend. So uh, even if there is volatility in Bitcoin, uh, it's going to going to serve you a lot better than than holding fiat. What's going on with Bitcoin's price drop recently? We went from sixty nine thousand under fifty eight thousand. What, what's going on there? Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, it's just the volatility. It's you know, we talked about the derivatives, uh, and we talked about, you know, I think the dollar against these other basket of, of forward currencies is strengthening. So uh, if you're looking at like the the Dixie DXY, it's the dollar uh, currency index against a bunch of other fiats. Um, and, and, you know, a good argument is like, yeah, it doesn't really matter because all fiats are devaluing. Um, but uh, with the dollar as a world reserve currency, uh, there is kind of basically everybody's implicitly short the dollar. There's so much dollar debt out there. Um, and so when you see the dollar uh, strengthening against other fiats, regardless if 
you know, CPI inflation or, or the money supply is expanding in the U.S., which it is, uh, you know, CPI at 6%, 30-year highs, regardless of that, uh, if the dollar is tightening against other foreign currencies, uh, you know, financial, uh, financial conditions are tightening. And, and so that's, that's kind of when we see, you know, we haven't seen it really yet in le legacy markets, but this is kind of what leads to uh, 2008 events, you know, March 2020 events. I don't think we see a, a spike that, you know, with that much magnitude or that dramatic, but, uh, you know, it could potentially be a catalyst for some sort of risk off. And I think Bitcoin is, as a macro asset, is, is reacting to that in a way. Yeah. And, and when you think about um, what we're watching, Jerome Powell was just uh, renominated or is going to be renominated as the Fed Reserve uh, chairman. Is that just a continuation and, and pretty bullish in terms of we're going to continue to see interest rate manipulation, quantitative easing, uh, asset prices will go to the moon? Uh, or do you think that there's the possibility that even though we have the same person running uh, kind of uh, the Federal Reserve, there may actually be some difference in the policies that, uh, that they implement? Yeah, I think it's more of the same. I don't think, I honestly don't even think Powell or anyone else really matters. Um, I mean, I don't know what he's doing. Why, why aren't you just retiring and going on an island somewhere that I don't understand, but um, yeah, I mean, they really don't have a choice and they're going to go up there and jawbone and pretend that they're switching some sort of policy. But even now, I mean, like tightening uh, or, or, you know, um, tapering is, is really just decreasing the rate of, of how fast they're expanding the balance sheet. It's not even, tapering in the sense of, of what it used to be in a, a decade ago. So more of the same uh, rates can't rise. They have to remain negative in real terms or else the whole system implodes and they won't say that, but th that's the truth. Yeah. And then when you think about Bitcoin, we were talking earlier, uh, the number of Bitcoin addresses with at least 0.01 Bitcoin in the balance uh, hit an all-time high over 9.2 million, uh, now about 9.245 million. Um, how do you look at something like that in terms of the overall picture? You know, We estimate that it's either new people coming in uh, or just more and more people stacking sats and kind of dollar cost averaging. But but. Is that an important metric to you or, or is it less important? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just kind of the, the trend over the last decade is that this thing is just becoming distributed in more and more hands. Um, and while addresses isn't a perfect measure because, you know, I can have I can have 100 different UTXOs all in different addresses and, and honestly for privacy best practices, um, that's optimal. Um, and so, you know, you can't really see that it's, it's, you know, one entity that has multiple UTXOs, but essentially, you know, starting with Satoshi and then with, with Hal Finney, uh, and then, you know, two, three, and now millions of people uh, soon, you know, soon to be billions of people all holding Bitcoin. Uh, it's just basically becoming more and more distributed and there's, there's less sats uh, per person to go around. And so, you know, that, that trend, you know, 0.1 Bitcoin uh, uh, per, you know, address, uh, one Bitcoin per address, I, I kind of expect that to just continue to hockey stick up and to the right. Got it. And then what what else are you watching right now? Like when you see these price drawdowns, is there one or two metrics that you're, you know, you wake up every day uh, during a price drawdown, you're like, this is the first thing I'm checking? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, this kind of chop day-to-day uh, -day volatility, it's not something that, that worries me too much. I mean, I check the, the derivative stuff because, um, you know, those dislocations can turn just this, you know, this little pullback to something more drastic and, and we're not really seeing that. So, um, you know, range around 50, 60,000. I, I mean, I was of the opinion uh, that we would we'd be higher now, but it's not something that that I'm worried about at all because um, you know I'm I'm just holding the asset and and you know if it takes a little longer then that's fine fine with me. It's not something that uh, as a as a convicted hodler uh, stressed out a little bit. I would like to see high, uh, you know higher prices because of those those calls I had in the summer, but you know it is what it is. What what were the calls again? What, what what's the end of November? 
It was, yeah, it was uh, December 100K calls. And so I've, I, I will admittedly say I've, I've trimmed up a little bit of those, um, but, you know, bottom in the summer when there was no hope. And so I did, I did well, but, you know, could have done better on them. Are, are you changing your opinion as to uh, the bull market or where price could go over the next couple of months? No, I mean, honestly, if anything, it's just um, more of the opposite in the sense that, you know, the longer we just chop and consolidate, the longer I think the, the market has in terms of, in terms of months. And I think potentially the higher we go, um, you know, the more price just kind of like 50K, even like, you know, if we go to 50K today, people are going to be like, you know, it's going to be the end of the world. And think about just how different uh, the sentiment is and how, you know, the market structure as, as more and more people allocate to it. Um, you know, this is kind of their benchmark in terms of, in terms of like uh, their performance uh, and, and their percent gains. So the longer that Bitcoin just kind of consolidates, the more normal that 50, 60K becomes. Uh, and the more capital that kind of gets allocated to it. So uh, if anything, the longer, uh, the longer, the better. And when we see people, uh, let's say we did go down to $50,000, is it the same um, kind of mechanism or, or sentiment we saw around $30,000 where people were starting to scream, oh, we're going to 20, we're going to 20. And then obviously we never went and we kind of came back up to uh, to 60 again. Um, is that kind of what you would expect if we really dipped lower than we already are? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, you know, big round numbers are definitely, they have some market, you know, uh, significance, but really just w with Bitcoin, uh, you know, the price is set uh, by the hodlers and stackers of last resort. And so whatever that price point is where, you know, the, the sellers are gone, they're exhausted, you know, absolutely scarce asset. Uh, there's only so, you, you can only sell Bitcoin uh, so much until you have none. Uh, and there's that we know that there are buyers around the world that will be a buyer at any price. So how you know whatever that price point is where the sellers uh, you know are exhausted and then we you know have only one place to go and that's up. Um, I think I think it's you know somewhere around this range, but uh, you know we'll see. Uh, you know we just know the long term trend is, is up and to the right. Talk to me about uh, Bitcoin City down in uh, El Salvador. Obviously, we saw President Bukele uh, really, really pushing um, kind of this idea of building an entire city, uh, issuing the Bitcoin backed bonds. What what was your general thoughts when uh, we saw the announcement? I think uh, it's definitely it's definitely optimistic and it's definitely exciting. Um, you know, I constructing a city from scratch is is definitely ambitious. Um, we'll see how that goes, but I think the Bitcoin backed bonds um, and kind of a a bond Bitcoin structure is is actually pretty. Uh, it's pretty interesting in terms of uh, you know kind of a fixed income from a fixed income standpoint. I mean, I I, I don't want six point five percent yields, and and for the most part, I probably would just buy Bitcoin. Um, but you know, for for a lot of these, uh, you know, maybe. If you're a fund manager, I don't know if, if they're going to be allowed to allocate to this institutional capital, but I know there are a lot of Bitcoiners that would, you know, fork over some money to, to secure a citizenship, secure some upside with Bitcoin and, uh, you know, kind of just fund something that they, that they believe in. Um, and it's, it's really exciting just from a, you know, a bigger picture standpoint, like the jurisdictional arbitrage, the kind of sovereign individual thesis where, where nations, where governments are competing for citizens and competing for capital, um, kind of the opposite trend that we've seen where, you know, governments are trying to, to, you know, almost trap their, their citizens, trap the capital. Uh, it's, it's exciting. And I think that's what, that's what Bitcoin kind of brings to the world and seeing, you know, these first dominoes fall is, is really, really exciting. 
Yeah, what's fascinating about it is if there are institutions that want to buy bonds, but they can't. Uh, and so this is a way for, or I'm sorry, they, they have to buy bonds, they can't buy Bitcoin. This is a way for them to buy bonds, but get some underlying Bitcoin exposure, very similar to a bunch of folks who were allocating uh, to MicroStrategy and their uh, unsecured notes, right? You could basically get some uh, exposure there, or you could buy MicroStrategy stock and get some indirect exposure to uh, to Bitcoin, almost like this tracking stock uh, for a period of time. Um, is your thought process that like that's really who's going to be buying this? Or do you think it's going to be Bitcoiners? Like, do you think it will be more uh, folks that understand Bitcoin and they want to see this happen, and therefore they'll go ahead and they'll buy this, even though they could buy Bitcoin if they wanted to? Yeah, I think I think it'll probably be a mix of both. I mean, I, I haven't, um, I've, I've talked with some people, but haven't you know had too many high level discussions on this. More just kind of gauging the sentiment on Twitter and and reading the official kind of blockstream posts and and what you know B Kelly is saying. But I think you know from from a kind of uh, like a securitization standpoint and like a, a digital asset standpoint, I think maybe that's a little overhyped when people say just throw around the word digital asset. Like um, it, it's kind of a buzzword in, in a way, but uh, I think like kind of being on, on uh, native uh, Bitcoin rails uh, with, you know, the liquid network and, and what it's, uh, I think they're teaming up with Bitfinex. Uh, I think these notes will probably be trading just like a, you know, another crypto asset. Um, and so that's kind of from a, from a, you know, finance or econ lens, um, it's, it's exciting to see all this kind of unfold because, um, you know, this sort of innovation and maybe, I, think, I hope it'll be somewhat seamless uh, in the sense that, you know, these things are just trading 24-7, 365, like, you know, these other assets, um, that's exciting. And, and the ability to, you know, kind of custody these, uh, these notes and, and have a, a, maybe a Bitcoin income stream uh, is pretty cool. Joe, John, what questions you got? Maybe Joe, we'll start with you first. Yeah, I'll go. Dylan, what's going on, man? Uh, so my question is, as we get closer to the uh, kind of the end of these cycles and stuff like that, how are you thinking about drawdowns of the past? Do you think they'll continue to be as of aggressive, or do you think as we move further out and kind of the the uh, the uh, in the process of Bitcoin and the rewards get slashed down and stuff like that, that we'll see less aggressive drawdowns? Yeah, I think um, you're going to see volatility probably for for the next decade or however long it takes for for fiat to really cannibalize itself. Um, the, the volatility, the, the leverage unwinds, and, and we're talking now today when, when you're talking Bitcoin volatility, for the most part, it's native to Bitcoin or crypto. Uh, it's crypto traders, Bitcoin traders, and they're getting aggressively long or short, and you know they get wiped out one way or the other. But um, that's true for the legacy system as well. Um, and we're, we just started to see those kind of two worlds intertwine the last 24 months, uh, 20 months from you know March of 2020. And so now I think uh, as Bitcoin gets bigger, um, as the whole the whole ecosystem gets a lot bigger and, and more people and more institutions and more capital has Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Uh, they become more and more intertwined. Um, and, and all of the, you know, the fiat fractional reserve IOUs on everyone's balance sheet um, along with Bitcoin, uh, that's, you know, BTC, USD. Uh, USD is the denominator in that equation. I think we're going to see um, these kind of these violent unwinds and, and then reinflations as, as the system is, is essentially dying, um, the, the fiat system while Bitcoin is monetizing. So I think volatility is here to stay. And I think uh, from an investing standpoint, it's, it's exciting um, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, Bitcoin draws down 50%. Well, you know, you have a, you have a pristine asset that you can collateralize and, and, you know, use to, to lever up or, you know, do all these sort of things um, to take advantage of it. So I don't think volatility is going away. I think uh, in real terms and purchasing power terms, volatility is decreasing. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's a broad trend that's happening over over years, over maybe a decade or two. Um, but in terms of fiat volatility, I, I don't expect it to go away at all. John. What's up, Dylan? How are you? 
of John. So the last having was in May of last year. And obviously we're not going to see another having until May of 2024. So typically we kind of see bull market after the having, bear market going kind of almost into the having. What do we expect to see? Like, do we expect to see the exact same thing that we've seen in recent cycles? And how do you think about that? Yeah, I think the having will probably make um, you know less of a market impact than it than it ever has, just because relative um, to the market, uh, the circulating supply is just not as significant. Um, you know, in the POC subsidies is cutting from nine hundred to four four fifty a day. Uh, inflation rates like one point eight percent annualized to uh, I think ninety basis points to zero point nine percent around there. Um, so in terms of like you know market impact, I think it, it still has one, but it's not going to be as significant. Um, I think more, more what's driving this now is, uh, you know, the fiat's demise as well as, as just kind of the natural, uh, you know, boom and bust uh, and, and human psychology. Like we saw, uh, you know, somewhat like a, you know, six month and then three month bull and bear cycle. Um, I think, you know, you know, not to expect that over and over again, but um, I think maybe, maybe three years of a bear market and then 12 months of parabolic bull markets, it, it could happen, but I, it's not my base case. And I think more, more what's driving it is just, um, I think we've almost hit this like threshold or this, um, this point of no return in terms of, of Bitcoin adoption. And it's just, it's just kind of, you know, exponentially feeding on itself. And so we'll see that reflected in the price with a lot of volatility, but um, you know, I, I think that the, the having as a catalyst is not, is not nearly as big as it was in, in 2012, 2016 or 2020. Agreed. Especially when you think about kind of 90% of the supply is already in circulation. Yeah, I think we're hitting that 90% threshold in like, uh, I don't know, a month or two. So that's, you know, that's going to be a pretty cool landmark. Dylan, when you look at a lot of the uh, on-chain metrics, um, what's your general sense? Like when the price draws down like this, is it possible to see a reversal? Like we started to see some of the dispersion that was happening as price went up from uh, people who've been holding for a while. When price draws down, can they almost like head fake a little bit or, or like give us like a pump fake, they start actually accumulating more at the lower prices. And then we go back up to 65, 70,000, then they restart that dispersion or would that be um, not really something that, uh, that you would expect? Yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, that's fairly accurate. A lot of the on-chain stuff is like showing these, these broad trends that happened over months, um, over quarters, over years. Um, and then the day-to-day hour to hour stuff is just, is just traders watch trading, right? Like there's a couple million Bitcoin that are sitting on exchanges and there's hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin in spot and derivative volume that you have whales that are just trying to accumulate more Bitcoin and they're, you know, they're driving the price up and down and up and down. But really what kind of unlocks, you know, these bull and bear markets, what unlocks these, you know, millions of coins of, of supply that have been dormant for years is, is higher prices, right? It's, it's literally the, the higher prices of a parabolic bull market that, that gets people to, you know, just liquidate a little bit and, and take, some off, take some chips off the table. And so when price draws down, uh, you kind of see the opposite dynamic and say, hey, I'm not going to sell and, and maybe I'll, I'll allocate a little bit more. And so um, we started to see that, that profit taking, that distribution phase uh, as we you know, hit 68, 69,000. We started to see that just a little bit. Um, and so you know, I think that, that has slowed down since then. And so if we just continue to consolidate around, I don't expect bull market profit taking because you know, we're, we're, we're not seeing the bull market price action. Um, and so from that sense, you know, just more accumulation and it's just like, you know, repeating myself over and over again, but it's like loading that spring up. Um, and, and, you know, the higher, the higher like parabolic reflexive phase of that bull market is, is still yet to come. And, and we'll see that when, when higher prices start to come. How do you think about uh, timeline on the bull market? We've talked in the past that maybe December isn't the end of uh, the bull market. It could go longer. You still think that? 
Yeah, I, I do think that. I think, um, you know, obviously we have to reclaim the all-time high, whatever that comes. And then um, with just how, how Bitcoin trades, like it, I think eventually uh, we'll, we'll, there'll be a clean break of 60, 70K. Um, and then from there, I think, honestly, there, there's probably going to be some gaps upwards. Um, you know, who's who's a willing seller at 74 or 78, right? Like, I think I think a lot of those those limit orders, the sell orders just get pulled. Um, and I think there's a good chance to just gap. Um, and then from there, probably like 100,000 is a nice psychological barrier. But, um, you know, I think I think there's months, months left of, of this bull market. And, and right now we're not even really seeing bull market price action. It's almost like the bull market, like the, the phase two of the bull market hasn't really started yet. We're still kind of we're below all time highs. We broke the April all time high, but really not convincingly. It was you know just just briefly. And so um, I think December is, is, you know, it's definitely not the top unless we see some really significant macro event, like, you know, some March 2020 event, but even then, right, like March 2020, if you're just looking at the chart, uh, you know, ranging around 10,000, it just drops down and then goes right back up in basically a month or two. And then we just kind of see that accumulation until, until the bull market was ready to go until there was no more supply left. And so that's kind of how I think about it. I think, um, you know, eventually we're just going to see a snap upwards uh, once uh, the big players have filled their bags and, and they're buying, like make no mistake. Um, and so, however long that takes. And then, and then, you know, it's off to the races and we'll probably have some, some, you know, weeks and months of fun left. And so I think that goes, you know, you know, pretty far into 2022. Uh, it, it, you know, it depends on, on what on chains looking like. It depends on what price action and sentiments looking like, but uh, I, I don't think people are ready for how crazy it's going to be when everyone's eyes are on Bitcoin and it's, it's going up days on end. Yeah. I mean, it, it could, uh, it could get quite crazy quite, quite quickly, <laughs> as we know. Uh, last thing is um, when you look at the uh, market, obviously we had the Bitcoin ETF, the futures ETF coming to the market. Does that have any impact on, uh, on price yet, you think, either positively or negatively? Or do you think that's just a coincidence that uh, it was uh, approved and got into the market around the same time that some of this price action happened? Yeah, I think, I mean, it has a marginal impact um, just with how derivatives are positioned. Um, it kind of increases that. At basis premium, so basically, um, kind of the neutral, the neutral like market, uh, the market neutral rate, the risk free rate that you can get by just um, you know longing, longing spot, shorting futures. Um, this is more of an institutional move. You're not seeing retailers, uh, retail traders going and shorting futures and longing spot to capture a 10% yield. But you know, for for an institution, that that's pretty that's pretty exciting. That's that's a good trade for them. So you're seeing you know it increases the incentive to go do that. But besides that, um, you know, it's it's pretty marginal, and I think a spot ETF would be probably an order of magnitude more uh, more important to the market. Uh, and so when we get that, I don't have a a good feel for it. But you know, probably sometime in, in 2022. But uh, you know, a couple of million, a couple billion dollars of uh, of open interest added to the CME, um, you know, it, it's meaningful. Um, it's not it's not the biggest driver in the market, but uh, it makes a difference. Got it, Joe John. You guys got any other uh, questions? Dylan, what's the sentiment out there? Are people getting angry on Twitter or what's the deal? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a little bit, uh, which is exciting. I mean, I think that's close. The bottoms, you know, must be close because, you know, people are getting people are getting restless and anxious. Anxious. So what, what do you think about Odell taking his salary in Bitcoin? About time. I mean, well, we got, we're going to see more, I think. Um, I think it's cool. It's cool seeing the cultural aspect of it. Um, you know, I think I don't think a lot of the the Bitcoin haters and the people in the, in the mainstream uh, media who are kind of, you know, Bitcoin skeptics uh, for the longest time were expecting, you know, the cultural side of it to take place. Um, but you're seeing Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Odell, Saquon, uh, and, and definitely a lot more to come. 
um, it, it's a pretty cool, it's pretty cool to see it all unfold. And I think it's just a start. Great. John, anything you else? Few hat? You sell that few hat in the store? Oh, you need one of those too? I, I might have to cop one of those. <laughs> he said, I'll take one of everything. <laughs> Dylan, on Friday, we've got uh, uh, a bonanza. We're doing like, I don't know, six, seven, 10, 12, maybe 24 hours straight live stream. We're going to have everyone here in the studio on uh, Black Friday and just see how crazy it can get. So if you're around, you'll have to uh, come back and, uh, and bullshit with the rest of us. I might have to swing by, yeah. I'll be free. All right, man. I appreciate you, uh, you taking the time to do this. Uh, as always, anyone who's not following you on Twitter, uh, they just haven't been paying attention. How are we looking on uh, on follower count? Let's see here real quick. We're sitting at uh, – oh, 86. Oh, you're definitely hitting uh, 100. Uh, you might hit 100 this month. Get a couple more tweets out there. Maybe. I mean, 100k by the end of the at the end of the month that puts us in range. What did I say? Uh, 150k by the end of the year. I think that's that's bullish, Bob. <laughs> I think Listen, you can do it. I think it's I think in the it, bag. As long as you tweet. If you don't tweet, then we're not getting there. But if you tweet, we, we got it. <laughs> I'll, I'll post some hopium. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Listen, thank you so much for doing this. We'll, uh, we'll maybe we'll talk to you on Friday. All right, see you guys. Have a good day. Later. Thanksgiving.